Welcome to the NextGen Work Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ross. I help leaders support working parents so that they can recruit and retain the best people. Join me as I interview experts and provide insights into the struggles that parents and caregivers face in the workplace. Learn how your business can become a place where parents feel included, supported, and valued. Being a family-friendly business isn't just a nice-to-have anymore. For the next generation and those that are raising them, it is critical. Today, I'm talking with Britt Riley, founder of Haven Clubs. Haven is an innovative solution to many of working parents' problems. Haven Clubs combines childcare, workspace, and fitness all under one roof. How cool is that? I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. We talk not only about her story as the founder of Haven, but also the importance of early childhood education and why everyone should be concerned about childcare funding and access. Hi, Britt. Thank you so much for coming on Playgrounds and Paychecks today. Um, So let's get started. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about you and your family um, and Haven and what that is and how it got started? Sure. Um, I'm happy to be here. And I love the the title of your podcast, by the way. It's perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm Britt Riley. I'm the CEO and founder of Haven. Uh, Haven is a network of childcare, workspace, and fitness clubs, which I founded because I needed it really badly. I had kids. Uh, I was a chief marketing officer and working remote. And it it just dawned on me pretty quick. Didn't take long at all for me to realize that kind of things needed to evolve, especially in the way that childcare, the industry itself is being uh, managed and what it's offering and, you know, taking into account the steep, steep price tag on it. And so, yeah, I mean, I started, I started losing a ton of sleep over the idea that the nine to five, in my opinion, was something, this is back in the six years ago, so pre-COVID and everything. I just felt like the nine to five was antiquated. It didn't work for dual income households or or even, you know, any any household really. Uh, and that thing needed to, they needed to change. And that the least that we could do would be to try and take care of the whole family. Because in my opinion, you're not really taking care of kids and showing up for them in the way that you you should be as a childcare provider if if you're not also trying to make sure that their parents are, you know, have lower levels of stress and are able to get their stuff done during the day. And yeah. it's just that was everything that was going through my head. And then, of course, the fitness side of things at that point was, you know, way on the back burner for me. But I thought about it a ton because I, you know, so kind of got very obsessed and stubborn on the topic and had my second daughter um, that absolutely galvanized it. And, and then, yeah, I, I basically just kept working until I, we found a location for the first club and got that place up and running, which was a very cool experience uh, back in 2019 in August of 2019. And then proved that, you could put parents and kids in the same building separately, of course. And um, the rest is, it's been a wild journey since then. I mean, we had COVID six months after we opened our first club and oh no, you know, everything since then. It's It's been um, 
it's been wild, but I've loved every moment of it. It's obviously a challenge starting a business, but this one is so important and it's so enriching and the communities that it creates has been, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a gift. It's really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. I love, well, everything about that, but I love that like you had a problem as a mom and rather than just kind of complaining about it, you found a solution, you know, um, realized like this isn't working for me. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. What can I do about it? And I love that. And then um, you referred to it as, you know, a community and the communities that it's building. And I, that approach, I feel like is, it's kind of seems like a no brainer really, but that's not the way it is approached it, you know, across the industry, um, you know, childcare and the parents needs are all completely separate and it really shouldn't be that way. You know, historically, um, it was a community ordeal and in a lot of cultures, it still is. And, um, you know, I love that you're kind of bringing it back to that, bringing it all together with the parents and the kids and everybody all in the same building, because that's just, it makes sense. It's logical. I wish I lived closer to you. So my kids could come. <laughs> we're, we're, I don't know where you're based, but we're, uh, we're growing pretty quickly. Um, yeah, but we, the community is the most important piece of the whole thing for me, especially because in this day and age, people are more connected than ever before, but they're also more distant than ever before. And mm -hmm. when you become a parent, obviously, for sure, for the first time you become a parent, but really, anytime you have a child, it's an inherently, it's so, it's so fulfilling, obviously, but it's also an inherently yeah. very lonely time for, yeah, you know, whoever, you know, a mom who's home and uh, everybody, you know, kind of talks about, oh yeah, maternity leave, such a vacation or, you know, whenever anybody yeah, no. says anything like that, I'm like, oh, you have absolutely no clue. But for us, it's, yeah. you couldn't possibly need a community more than during the first five years of your kid's life. And right. the experience of becoming a parent is, easily the most novel and impactful experience that any person's ever going to have in their life. Uh, yeah. So for me, it just, I can't possibly imagine not being able to, to have that group of people who, you know, you drop your child off and then you can go and have a conversation with somebody who's also going through teething or regressions or cluster mm. feeds and stuff like that, where you realize, okay, it's not just me or, I'm not alone. And, and that is giant. And then as the kids yeah. grow and they, you know, are toddlers and going through all those different stages, you've developed a group of people who you don't work at the same companies, obviously, but you all have kids in common. And there's a bond there that is so deeply rooted. And we know this, if you go back, you know, centuries and centuries ago that the bonds that people create in life as friends are oftentimes established during their kids earliest years so what we're trying to do is just give that back we're trying to put we're trying to offer a a you know vessel almost you know to be able to host that type of community again um 
and and yeah it's 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 a wonderful thing to to experience yeah that's great um you know you mentioned it being a really lonely time my son my oldest kid was born about two or three weeks before the world shut down with covid covid baby so that was a, a major lonely time. Um, you know, I'm four hours from my family, so we weren't able to like travel and see them, of course, um, during that time and didn't really have a lot of close friends or anything around here. And then the world shut down too. So like, yeah, major lonely uh, maternity leave there. Um, so I could totally relate to the the loneliness factor um, and, you know, could really see the importance of that community of people who are just in the trenches with you in the same stages of life. Yeah, it's 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 so important. And I mean, I didn't open our first club until Zoe, Zoe, my youngest daughter. So I've got Harper and Zoe. Those are my girls, uh-huh. They're six and seven. Uh, they're amazing little humans. And I'm <laughs> so excited about every different stage of life but during the first two years I I was doing everything humanly possible to try and create a haven uh, but I didn't have one yet so I experienced all of it you know I had some postpartum depression and um, with both kids and 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 I felt all that loneliness you know and at the same time I was super high achiever as far as career goes I've yeah. Before, before I knew I wanted to have kids, I knew I wanted to have a career, right? Like, yeah, I was making random businesses when I was four. It was I was that kid, you know. And so, so when I had kids, you know, obviously I I wanted to have kids too eventually, but I wanted to make sure I like hit my stride first. So I never wanted to give it up. It was never even a consideration, you know. I yeah. And and to be honest, I think that, and in, in all the research we've done since then, we live in a generation of of women and of just, you know, of people who their their lives are built on the idea that they will work. We don't mm-hmm. live in a, you know, in a time right now where one person's expected to stay at home. We weren't raised thinking that. And that's the biggest difference is that generations before the millennials for example prior to that generations that were raised were raised with this understanding Mm -hmm. that you're you know one person would stay home and that was what they saw in their household and then you got to you know the 70s and the 80s and after that of course that was when you started hearing parents saying you know, I know I heard it all the time. You started hearing all sorts of parents saying you could be president one day or you can do anything you put your mind to. And and there was this entire generation raised on the idea of independence. Yeah. And so when you have that, that's exactly why we've, we've kind of grown into this, the first generation that's having kids starting in our 30s, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, we didn't all immediately graduate high school and have kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, we wanted to establish careers first because yeah. that's what we were basically taught to do. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, and that's what we always dreamed. Yep. And it, it's one of the very first generations who who were put on that path and were encouraged yeah. to be on that path. And so I'm, you know, I don't think anybody's surprised that people are working in their careers now for a decade, building their careers before they decide to settle down and have kids. And that means that you are heavily invested in what you've built for yourself and you don't want to 
let that go. So tying that back into childcare, that's why it just simply doesn't, it, it doesn't show up for parents the way that they need to be, you know, shown up for these days. You know, you, we need more flexibility. Parents need the ability to, to shift their schedules based on their needs. I mean, nine to five, I think with remote work and hybrid work, which has obviously gone through the roof since COVID. Right. People, people realize, oh yeah, I can be productive at all sorts of different times a day. And if I have childcare from, uh, you know, 10 to six or whatever it is, parents are going to put their head down and get stuff done. Like I've never seen people accomplish more than a parent who has an hour of time. Um, Yes. Nap time is like the most productive time around here some days. And I can get so much accomplished in two hours. Yep. And watching, watching people at the clubs too, who they'll drop their kids off. And once the kids get to a certain age, Zoe did this. So she, from two until five, she was at the club with me. Uh Uh-huh. And but lots of kids do this where they get to a certain age and they've got their rhythm, they've got their stuff that they do, and then their parents drop them off. And some of the parents, not everybody stays to work. You know, there's plenty of people who go and go and do whatever they want. But but there's there's obviously people and uh, you'll drop them off. And it's this amazing exchange where it's like all right bye you know and the little kids about to go in and do their thing and they're like have fun at work mommy and yeah. <laughs> basically like I'm gonna go do my work which is play and it's that's the most enriching experience because one mom guilt gone you're like yeah. cool they're good like I know that they're good they're in good hands which means your brain on the walk up the stairs right it is cleared to go and do whatever it is that you'd like to now, my experience prior to having that was I would drop off at the door and then just go and I'd, you know, go work at my home office or something and I would be at home and I would think, I would just dwell on it, you know, yeah. I would think about that and think about, oh, they could be here, they could be with me, you know, that's when you go through all of those, yes. I think, everybody who's a parent has, you know, the big bubble that happens. Yeah. And this, this has, it it dissipates. It's one of those things that in this moment, you're then able to go and do whatever you need to do, including work out, which is great because, you know, we all need endorphins, especially during the first five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other great thing too, which I think is one of the reasons why something like this is so critical is because parents aren't, we still have goals, you know, as, as parents, we want to be awesome mm-hmm. parents. We want more so than ever to show up for our kids and and be you know just do a great job at that too and lots and lots of parents have goals for you know breast breastfeeding goals and yeah. uh, there's obviously tons of societal pressure through social media and stuff but but there's a lot of people who say you know what no I really would like to try to breastfeed for a year you know throw a number out there everybody's got a different number but having access to something like this means that you're not doing what I did when I had Harper, which is going into bathrooms of convention centers and stuff and pumping yes. it and then hoping that the milk doesn't thaw on the way back. And um, right. you're actually able to message with your teacher and you can grab your child, 
go to we've got nursing suites and everything and you can just grab them nurse and or you can pump when you're there and bring it down if that's what you choose or or honestly you have a little kid and you would like to to bond with them you could ask to feed their bottle you know and you can still use the water so it it's just that i feel like parents need to be able to still feel connected and feel fulfilled in those ways where they feel like they are doing a good job and they're not spread too thin. And so I think that those are some of the ways that childcare in general can please better by taking care of the parents. You know, I think yeah. the long-term benefit of investing in a family's mental health in the short term during the first five years is giant. It's substantial. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was um, on your website and saw a picture of like a dad or somebody looking out the window, like watching yeah. your kid play on the playground. I love that. You're like working, you know, in your own little workspace, which looks amazing too, by the way. I mean, it's not like just They're a bunch cool. of boring desks. No, you know? no. <laughs> uh, and then you're able to just look out the window and see your kids. Like when you get up to get a drink of coffee or something, yep. I love that. I mean, I can like, they, my um, daycare post pictures on Facebook once a week or so. So I can try to scroll Facebook and creep on them that way. But <laughs> otherwise I have no idea what they're up to during the day, you know, and just having them like literally downstairs or like down the hall. Yeah. That's awesome. It just, it's fulfilling for sure. And uh, it fills your metaphorically it fills your cup. Right. So yeah. there's a lot, all of the clubs have a big giant picture window that, um, that overlooks the playground. So the parents can fill that cup because clears your mind and then you go back and you do whatever you need to it's yeah they're teeny moments but they're so giant in the life of a parent right and those are the ones that we're striving to try and either help people achieve or trying to pull as many important things into one space as we can whether that be you know any services that we can come up with we want to to centralize so that people aren't wasting a month of their life driving in their car every year. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and we don't want them to have to you know shuffle between every different place. So we're we're looking for ways to connect people to help people generate you know positive mental health state for themselves because that's an investment in their whole family for the near and, and the long term. Yeah. And then to also just decrease stress by bringing all those critical things in one spot so they're not wasting tons of their tons of their finite time, right? Yeah, I mean, just like for example, I, you know, I work from home now. I transitioned out of teaching earlier this year so I could spend more time with my kids basically. And I am getting to do that cuz I have more flexibility, but I'm still spending 2 hours a day on the daycare commute. Because they can't stay home with me, even though I work from home, like I have to work, right? And I can't find somebody to come in my home and watch them that would be, you know, consistent and reliable. So they're staying at their daycare, but I drive 30 minutes to drop them off and then 30 minutes back to my house to work. Um, and heaven forbid, I have to go to the doctor or something in the middle of the day because that's in the city. I live, you know, about 30 minutes from town, which is why we drive so far to daycare. And if I have to go do something like that, I basically just need to sit, spend my whole day hopping between coffee shops or libraries or something because it's I don't have enough time to drive back home and then go back and get the kids. I just would spend all day on the road. 
Um, so like just the convenience factor alone, having all of that in one ro- under one roof Big time. is, is, a, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wish that we could put them in every community, like immediately. I, yeah. Every single time I hear people talking about their experiences, it's like, I want to just be there, you know, like I want people to just be in it. Right. Because it is, it's the future, right? We're trying to work. We're trying to create things that help enable, you know, a, a strong, positive future for people. Yeah. The way families, you know, work has changed. Like you said, we're not just a single income mom staying home. That's not the expectation anymore. That has changed. And the way childcare and work exists has to evolve and keep up with that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It does without a doubt. And there's, there's one thing which we haven't talked about yet, which is so important. And this is, I don't know if you've heard about the um, childcare cliff. Yes. Uh, the federal funding that's potentially, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got two days at this point uh, yeah. that runs out on September 30th. But I've been a big part of that conversation, um, spent time down in D.C. with the Secretary of Tom- Commerce and Moms First, which is an amazing group uh, led by Reshma Saujani from Girls Who Code. And the the whole focus that, that we have is trying to expand access to childcare, right? Yeah trying to show up for parents and for moms and to allow and enable, you know, this kind of successful experience during the first five years. And one, it is extremely apparent that the industry, it's why we did what we did. We needed to change the way that things were being done. It didn't seem to make any sense. Obviously, the, the finances of all of it is, are at such an impasse that early childhood educators, in my opinion, they're right up there next to rocket scientists and brain surgeons. Like, yeah. that's how important they are. They couldn't possibly play a more important role outside of, you know, kids, parents, and guardians in their life. Yeah. I, the first five years, your brain does the vast majority of its of its development and growing during the first five years, the people who are taking care of our kids, they're the ones who are going to make it so that kids are set up for any type of learning experience, that they develop confidence and that they're nurtured and that they have a sense of independence and they can then tackle anything going forward. And when I look at the impasse, that obviously the industry is at, they aren't being paid what they should be paid. I mean, no. if if it were me, they'd be being paid like, you know, NFL players. Yeah, it's sad that we we value football players more. Yeah, than, yeah, the people mm-hmm. literally spending more time with our kids than us in most cases. Exactly. Like, yeah, but so for me, it's they deserve more. They deserve more in two different ways. Obviously, they deserve to be able to make a career out of the thing, which most times you meet someone who's in early childhood education who goes to school for it and that's what they want to do. They knew that they wanted to be an educator when they were in preschool. Like they're born with this 
propensity to help take care of other people's kids, which is a unique thing. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a genetic trait, which is incredible that people are, some people are born with, and we need to help them be able to continue to pursue it. So we need to be able to offer career experiences and, and that is not something which a childcare provider can do on its own because yeah, obviously like everyone has seen, and this is what, you know, moms first and a lot of the conversation is also trying to address is any change to the teacher's compensation directly impacts the parents. And so there's a breaking point and there's this really funny picture and I'll share it with you. Uh, I was I was studying this like six years ago. This the average GDP growth compared to the the expenses of childcare and how yeah. that's grown over the past thirty years. It's a hockey stick, and and it's a hundred percent correlated. It's not it's not you know greedy business owners like that's not yeah. who people who own childcare centers are. It's literally people who are trying to pay their employees a, a wage, which you know, yeah. even scratches the surface of being commensurate with the importance of the work they, they do. But the all of the, you know, financial burden really does in most cases fall on the parents, which yeah. at this point is untenable. You know, parents are paying over 30% to 50% of their income uh-huh. for each year during the first five years for childcare. I mean, the only way that we're going to fix that situation is by activating public private partnerships. Yeah. I mean, companies need to show up for their employees. This needs to be a benefit which is held in you know with as much importance as retirement planning, you know. People can't re- plan for retirement even, you know, if you've got people who are have kids in their first 5 years, they're not going to be thinking about that 401k, really. They're just going to be trying to make sure they can pay for childcare and their mortgage or their rent. And so companies need to look really, really hard at the importance of showing up for their employees. And they need to think about being able to provide subsidies. I mean, obviously, providing subsidies would be the most positively impactful thing. But then just providing care benefits in general. Um, I think that companies are going to be the ones who make the change with the the public sector too. I think the private markets are going to then put pressure and they need to put pressure yeah. on the government and then say, listen, this is something which we have decided is an, you know, a very serious economic issue with ripple effects that are so much further than someone's household. And the economic impact of parents not being able to go to work or childcare providers not being able to open all their classrooms because they can't hire people. Mm -hmm. The, the economic impact of that over time, I think it's like by 2030, if things keep going the way that they're going right now, it's a $290 billion annual problem for our country. And that's important. I mean, this funding isn't even going to directly impact your childcare facility, but you realize that like, it's a problem that we all need to be concerned about because it's not just affecting the people who are going to experience these closures of childcare centers because of the loss of government funding. It's an economic problem. That's what it is. It's, it's a nationwide issue. 
that is going to have yep. to be addressed by, you know, several different or at several different levels. Exactly. Yeah. Without a doubt. And at the same time, and this is what I've been very vocal about as well as yeah. we're working on that whole problem. But the second thing, which is most important, is as a society, elevating the importance of early childhood educators, that our society has, for some reason, not given them, you know, the the value and the importance and the just the credit, you know, where it's yeah. due. They're they're doing easily one of the hardest jobs ever. I mean, I don't yeah. know if you've ever been around 12 two-year-olds for eight hours a day, but yeah. it's, that's a hard job on its own. Yeah. My mom was a daycare worker when I was in high school. So I have, she was the, in charge yeah. of the two-year-old room and I went in all summer with her. Uh, so yeah. I kind of have been in that situation, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's not a walk in the park. every day. <laughs> exactly. Got to have a serious amount of patience, but also yeah. <laughs> the greatest thing about it is your mom is definitely, she's, she's got to be one of them, but they, not only do they have the patience, but they also have the extreme desire to help positively impact these kids' lives, yes. lives during, during their earliest years. Right. And I just don't think that people have given enough, uh, thought and care to, just how much development kids do during the first five years. Yeah. They aren't just times when they're wobbling around, you know, <laughs> and having tantrums. Like there is so much more there that happens that sets them up for the rest of their lives. And so as a as a society, we have got to get them up on that pedestal where they belong. Yeah. And and that's the only way that we will ultimately expand access to childcare. Right. We have to have People who feel like if I pursue this job, one, can I make it a career financially? We can fix yeah. that with the first thing we just talked about. But two, am I going to be valued? You know, is this something which I walk into work and I feel like, you know, I'm doing really important work. This is service of your community. This is, yeah. you know, firefighters, policemen, doctors, anybody who who is in service of others. And I, you know, I would argue that they're at the top of that list, you know? So that is something which we all need to work really hard on trying to help people who are in or considering early childhood education, understand just how much we value them and care about them and see what they're doing. And, you know, I, I think that that is, that's the only way that we're going to grow, grow, you know, access to childcare, but also even just keep the industry going. Yeah. It's never going to be replaced by AI. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, a robot can't do this job. <laughs> yeah. Like this is one industry where you're not, you're not going to see the Boston Dynamics parkour robot, you know, uh, rocking a six-month-old baby like it's, yeah <laughs> it's just not we're gonna see technology play a role in early childhood education we'll see ai play a role in it but it's it is simply 
you know, a role that is going to be in support of the very human nature that is required for caring for kids, you know, in their first five years. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it will require people always. And, and there are people who are born to do it and we just need to help them stay on that path and help them feel like I can be so proud of what I'm getting into. And that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Help them feel like it's a, you know, a sustainable and like honorable path that they're going to be valued in our society for the very important role that they do have because, you know, they're setting up our future generations for success and what could possibly be more important than that? Exactly. Yeah. There, I mean, I don't think there's anything more important than that. Yeah. Well, Britt, this has been a, a great talk. I've really enjoyed talking with you. If people want to learn more about Haven, where can they find you? So we have a website, yourhavenlife.com. Uh, you can find pretty much anything on there. And we're franchising. So we That's have, exciting. I'm so excited about it because when we were considering how we were going to grow, obviously we want to be in everybody's community because we want everyone to be able to access yeah. this. Uh, it became very, very apparent that we wanted the people who run each of these locations to to own it, you know, to be the heart of their community because uh-huh. at the end of the day, this is a big community. And um, so, yeah, so we decided to franchise and, we just, just launched that program. There's a, a link to it on the website, but there's also a website of its own called Haven Franchising. So anybody who, you know, feels compelled to try and bring something like Haven into their community can go to that to that website as well. That's great. So where are you currently located? Rhode Island and New Jersey. Okay. So yeah. anyone in those areas could get into your world and get into a yeah. community that already exists, hopefully. Yes. and outside of there, look into franchising. We're working on it. Yeah, exactly. We've got, we've got a bunch of locations, which uh, are, look like they're going to pop up definitely in New England. And then, you know, we'll keep going from there. So my goal is to, to see people thriving in communities like this and, and not feeling, you know, what I had to feel for the first couple of years of having my kids. Right. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I hope you got as much out of that conversation with Britt as I did. If you enjoyed this chat, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. I'd also really appreciate a review as that's the best way you can help others find this podcast. You can find even more content at Playgrounds and Paychecks on Facebook or Instagram too. Until next time.